Thank you for calling Charlottesville Community Engagement. To whom shall I direct your call? At least, that's how we would answer the phone if this newsletter and podcast was instead an office of some sort. Yet you're stuck with Sean Tubbs on May 10th, 2023, otherwise known as National Receptionist Day. On today's program, Albemarle County has signed on to a plan to prepare for natural disasters and other emergencies. Changes are in the works for how a closed-door planning group operates. There will be some major roadway closures around the University of Virginia this summer. And an official with the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce describes the economic impact of the defense sector. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Friends of Charlottesville Downtown are in the midst of a month-long Downtown in Bloom event this May, with a celebration of art, flowers, and the beauty of spring. There's a spring stroll all month with specialty drinks at bars, restaurants, and coffee shops. Pick up the spring stroll passport to qualify for a special celebration. Participating businesses will have a flower competition in container gardens and planter boxes outside of their establishments. Voting takes place May 11th through May 31st. The 2023 Chalk Fest will be held on May 20th with 13 local artists creating murals from the Ting Pavilion to the Dairy Market. And make sure you check out artwork from Charlottesville City Schools in the windows of downtown merchants. To learn more about Downtown in Bloom and other initiatives of Friends of Charlottesville Downtown, visit friendsofseville.org. Last week, Albemarle County became the latest locality in the area to adopt a plan to prepare for natural disasters and other emergencies. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission maintains and updates the Regional Natural Hazard Mitigation Plan, a document required by the federal government in order to qualify for certain grants and other funding sources. The plan also serves as a guide for how the county uses its resources. John Aprandi is Albemarle County's Deputy Chief of Emergency Management with the Fire and Rescue Department. It covers from uh, the preventive preventative measures that we might be able to take um, to uh, actual re- response strategies, uh, including staffing our, our emergency operations center, um, recovery. Community safety is the number one goal in the strategic plan adopted by the Board of Supervisors last October. One supervisor pointed out that many of the mitigation steps serve multiple purposes, such as advancing the county's climate action plan. Here is Diantha McKeel. When I look at the list of items that we either have in the works that we're working on or we have a to-do list, it does connect to our budget discussions and our monies. The section for Albemarle County has dozens of mitigation steps, ranging from AHE1. Increase the number of trained emergency responders, both staff and volunteers. Establish a minimum ICS emergency management training certification requirement for essential county staff. Train, educate 70% of identified staff to minimum qualifications. Conduct disaster tabletop and or full-scale scenarios on an annual basis to exercise skills and processes. To ALI 6. Promote increased tree canopy in urban areas to reduce heat island effect. 
Albemarle has now joined all other surrounding TJPDC counties, as well as four towns in adopting the plan. Charlottesville City Council deferred a vote in early April after Mayor Lloyd Snook asked for more information. A planner with the TJPDC says that the TJPDC is working with the city of Charlottesville to reintroduce the plan to city council in the coming weeks. A non-public body of city, county, and UVA officials are considering changes to how the group operates. That's what Charlottesville Planning Commissioner Hosea Mitchell said to the Planning Commission on Tuesday. There are a lot of administrative and housekeeping issues that we work through that I won't bother you guys with. The Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee was formed after the Albemarle Board of Supervisors and City Council agreed in late 2019 to disband a public body that had operated in public to discuss areas of mutual interest. It does not have to conform to Virginia's open meeting laws because no elected officials are members. According to the minutes from the April 21st meeting, several changes are under consideration. The charter for LUPEC will be amended to remove names of representatives who attend but will leave the organization names. A process will be created to update that charter on a routine basis. A process will be created by which other groups can ask to join LUPEC. Until then, other organizations will be considered subject matter experts. One such organization is the Virginia Department of Transportation, which has addressed the group in the past, but does not attend every meeting. At the very least, VDOT will be invited to attend and present at least once a quarter. Presentations will be posted on the website for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, set up before the Planning and Coordination Committee was disbanded. The group is also considering ways to amend the three-party agreement signed in 1986 between UVA, Albemarle County, and Charlottesville. There's also possibly an attempt to keep information at the meetings more secure. Here is agenda item 2.d.i. Jody Filardo will develop a sample statement for initial consideration by the planning team regarding the confidential nature of the conversations within LUPEC. Filardo is the director of community development in Albemarle County. Mitchell had very little to say to the commission or the public about a study on thermal energy that university officials presented on April 21st. I'll have more details about that study in a future edition of the newsletter, but please feel free to take a look in a link at the newsletter if you'd like to write your own. The University of Virginia makes many infrastructure changes in the months after graduation, and this summer will include some disruptions around grounds while work takes place. Bill Palmer is the UVA architect's representative to the Charlottesville Planning Commission. He told that group last night that the western side of McCormick Road will be shut down later this month. That's going to be closed for the summer to do uh, kind of finish the streetscape that hadn't been completed with Gilmer Hall because there was other projects going on. That work will coincide with another plan to install new water lines to the residence halls on Alderman Road to help meet UVA's energy efficiency goals. That project will lead to another shutdown. The second part of that is the major closure of Alderman and McCormick intersection. There'll only be one condition that you can get through there, and that is to loop around. Like if you were coming off of Fontaine, you'd loop up O'Hill, come around down McCormick, so you're going east on McCormick, and then you can take a, a left. Status updates will be available on the website of the UVA Department of Facilities Management. 
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, one Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e-bike lending library. E-bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from. Because many e-bikes are sold online, it can be a challenge to try an e-bike before buying one. The Charlottesville e-bike lending library is a free, not-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in the area. They have a small collection of e-bikes that are lent out to community members for up to a week for free. You can experience your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even bike your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. Check out the service at www.ebikelibrarycville.org. A new study has quantified the economic impact the military and defense sector plays in the region. Letty Bien is the program manager for the Defense Affairs Committee of the Charlottesville area. Letty Bean is the program manager for the Defense Affairs Committee of the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce. We're not manufacturing tanks. <laughs> We're not doing, you know, weapon systems. This is mostly intelligence, research and development. Bean's position is funded in part by Albemarle County as part of the Project Enable Economic Development Strategy. The chamber commissioned the Weldon Cooper Center at the University of Virginia to study the impact of the sector. It was critical, I felt, that we needed to know exactly what the defense community adds to the bottom line of the county, the county's economic um, vitality. If you don't know what you have, you don't know what you can lose, and you don't know what it'll, how it will impact you unless you have the metrics. And I'm happy to say that we now do, in fact, have the metrics. The study was also produced in collaboration with the City of Charlottesville and the University of Virginia Foundation and covers the city, Albemarle County, and Greene County. So we did include Greene County. They really don't account for a significant amount, but they are growing um, in the defense arena as well, particularly because they have a defense production zone that their entire county now falls into. Among other things, that means that the county reduces business license and machine tools tax, as well as offering some regulatory flexibility. Defense assets in Albemarle include Rivanna Station, several contractors, and the Judicial Advocate General School at the University of Virginia. Other UVA activity is accounted for as well. Grants, the contracts, the startups. Um, we found all these bunch of patents that were DOD funded that UVA now has. We included Veterans Reserve and National Guard, and then there's some other entities that were small, but we we got as best um, the information as we possibly could. In all, Bean said there are just under 4,000 direct jobs in the defense industry in the region, with over 1,350 indirect jobs. There are another 2,000 induced jobs, which means those generated by spending by workers in the defense sector. One example of a large company in the sector is Northrop Grumman. They have 480 employees. They do no work with Ravana Station. They work for the Navy and the Coast Guard in the navigational systems that go into ships, of which about 25% of their workforce are veterans. All of this together adds up to $1.2 billion a year, but Bain said that number is likely an undercount, 
as more information has come in since the study was completed. It also doesn't cover spouses of those in the sector. Pian said many companies would like to expand here, but there is concern about whether there is enough space and infrastructure to do so. She said the study will be used to help educate officials about steps that can be taken to keep places like Rivanna Station here should there ever be another round of military base relocation. There's a, there's a location in the Midwest that has already offered DOD 100 free acres for Ravana Station to move. Supervisor Ned Galloway was on the board when the county adopted Project Enable. That was a milestone in a county that for many years resisted economic development. This report is an excellent example for folks who want to understand why economic development needs to be a Uh, top priority for this board and for our county because it explains great or uh, wonderfully how when you have a employment sector like this not just when it when it got into the direct the indirect and the induced uh, ways that those dollars come into your community that's something we need to understand Project Enable built off a 2012 study that looked at target industries for Albemarle, and defense was part of one of the four recommendations for what the county should focus on. The others, technically, those were bioscience and medical devices, business and financial services, information technology and defense and security, agribusiness, and food processing. What's next for economic development? Albemarle County is about to embark on an update of Project Enable. Supervisor Donna Price thanked Bian and the Chamber for their work. This is critical information for us to take as we look to the broader economic development of the county here. That's another edition of this program, number 532, another shorter version of the program intended to get information out as I can. This July will be the third anniversary of this experimental newsletter, and a definite rhythm has yet to present itself. Progress is being made. That forward momentum is made possible through paid subscribers, which may or may not include you. If you, thank you. If not you, that's okay. Maybe one day you will be able to, and hopefully enough people will keep supporting in order to, so that I can keep writing what I can, so that one day maybe you'll pay. And if not, that's really okay. And always remember that Ting will match your initial paid subscription. And you know by now, if you sign up for Ting at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you're going to get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Vraki for incidental music in the podcast. Thank you very much, and here's the end. Goodbye.